0: Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls preview show in conjunction with the Reading Chronicle. Well, we've got a great week to look back on with a win against Bournemouth. We all enjoyed that one, but it's been quite a while since we've had our next game, which is coming up tomorrow against Stoke City. And to help me talk through the last week and all the positive things about Reading FC, I've been joined by Reading Chronicles' Matt Joy. Hi, Matt. How are you doing?
1: Very well, thank you. The uh, The rain has just come Started coming down outside my window in front of me here, but uh, not not much is dampening my spirits at the moment.
0: I've got to tell you, I just got drenched in that, Matt. Absolutely <laughs> oh, drenched. I, I'll,
1: I'll, once we finish recording, then I'll, I'll hunker down and stick inside for a bit.
0: I would. I would. <laughs> but let's look back at the game last weekend against Bournemouth. What a fantastic performance and Panovic must have been absolutely ecstatic about that after the match and during the week when you spoke to him.
1: Yeah, uh, more or less labelled it as the, the perfect performance from, from his side. And it's very, very difficult to argue with that. Um, in my player ratings this week, I think no one dropped below a sort of a seven or an eight. It was such a good performance from everyone. That's what made it so impressive. I mean, sometimes we've seen this season players like, you know, Elise against QPR, a fair few examples of Lucas Shaw, where maybe one or two players really can change a game and, and turn it on its head on uh friday night it was it was every single player played almost the perfect game it was a an absolutely brilliant performance i, I tweeted out at half time that i think i was going to need a lie down and if it, if it had carried on at that rate for in the second half i certainly would have done obviously we didn't quite get to that point but you know it went from being so clinical so ruthless going forward you know so quick with the bit of passing everyone was making the moves everyone was you know showing for into space and it, things were just ticking so well and Bournemouth couldn't deal with it. And then second half, sort of backs against the wall, batting down the hatches and, uh, and hold on a little bit, even though, mm. you know, we did push forward, but it was, it was every single player played brilliantly. And it was the best performance, especially in that first half that I can remember for a, for a long time.
0: And amazing to have so many academy players on the pitch as well. Playing at that level, you obviously got Omar Richards, Rina you got Tom McIntyre, Tom Holmes, Elise, I mean, it's an incredible situation that we're in, but I want to pick out somebody who doesn't get much praise, and that's Tom Holmes. He does Mm. get some, but Tom McIntyre slightly takes the limelight off him, doesn't he? But I think Holmes has been absolutely fantastic this season. He's had his ups and downs. He's a young player. But that clearance, when it hits him on the back of the head, and then he celebrates, that (laughs) sums him up, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, he very much sort of wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's very, very dedicated um, what I've been particularly impressed with him is his willingness and his ability to sort of switch pres- between positions we've seen him playing in the sort of fullback roles we've seen him playing at the heart of defence and if you ask me right now if, if you you know you put two of his performances side by side I didn't know anything about the player and I had to say was he a fullback or a centre-back it's tough to say because he's really shone in both positions at, at points during this season and yeah he, he's been remarkable he's, he's perhaps as you said gone, gone under the radar a little bit um, but you know, he, he's shown what is great about this club in the academy. Um, he's he's coming to the side and it, seamlessly, I said, I, he might have had a few patchy moments, but I can't remember since he's come into the into the fray, any sort of, you know, two or three games in a row where he might have dipped. It's been more or less, you know, the consistency has been, has been there more or less ever since he's been in the side. And that's as impressive as anything else is just how consistently good he's been.
0: Yeah, and now I said, you know, we're not going to talk about Tom McIntyre. I feel like we should, as an example of that, because he did have his dip, which we talked about loads of times on a podcast about the Preston game. But he's come back magnificently. Three man-of-the-match performances, a goal. Um, he's just looking like, if you're Liam Moore, you're thinking, I'm going to get back in the team at some point. But we're not really missing him, are we? I and mean, I can't play him a higher compliment than that, because Moore's been really, really impressive this season.
1: Yeah, Moore's been brilliant, um, but Tom McIntyre equally so in recent weeks. I mean, whenever, I mean, we've only seen it twice, but whenever you see McIntyre score and run away and celebrate, it may just be me, but I certainly get the impression that that is how a good 70, 80% of Reading fans would celebrate in that position, you know, the, the, the joy on his face and see how much every, every win means to him, every goal that he has, you know, the two goals he's got. He has been a, a, absolutely brilliant. And yeah, Panovic might have a few. Headaches when Liam Moore returns to fitness in the coming weeks. I think anyone who drops out of that side at the moment will feel incredibly hard done by. And you know, Liam Moore has has been exemplary, I think, so far this season. But he he may have a task on his hands uh, dislodging that that back four because they look very very solid at the moment.
0: Yeah, another man is Sean Morrison. He's been fantastic. And and Anirinomoto, he's not kind of getting as much praise maybe as Josh Lauren, because Josh Lauren has been amazing since he's signed, there's no doubt Mm -hmm. on that. But we kind of take him for granted now, all the ugly things that he does during matches, which just keeps the team kind of secure at the back and also does enough work going forward as well. He's not going to be like Ovi Ajaria, but he's Mm -hmm. adding to his game all the time, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I do just have to quickly point out, you said Sean Morrison there. Oh, did I? Rather than Michael Morrison, oh. which I, I did try, and I was trying to, obviously, people can't see this, but I, we have a little webcam to and fro oh. here, and I was trying to mind it to you, but you didn't quite pick on, so I Michael Morrison.
0: By myself, <laughs> I'm not
1: saying any more than that, but I've just thought to save your save some grief your end, I thought yeah. I'd uh, jump in. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. Everyone that you've named there, uh, Lauren and Brinamota in particular, I think, especially, especially Josh Laurent, what I think, what I have felt with him is when he came in, he was a very good shield. You know, he, he he knew his job and he was very happy to do it and very competent in that role of just shielding that back line and, and you know, disrupting the flow of the opposition. But I think perhaps in the last couple of months, he's really progressed, I feel, at his his attacking game, the attacking sense of his game. I mean, the amount of teams times you see him at sort of 75, 80 minutes into a game, reading maybe one or two goals for the good, and you think, few of the players look knackered. Laurent will just pick up the ball and next thing you know, he'll be 70 yards down the pitch. His fitness levels are remarkable and, and so are Andy Renamoters. They the fact that they've played so many games and, and barely had a, a break and they've not the performance levels of it either have not dipped, especially the, the application and the, the energy levels. They not dipped. They I would love to know what they eat because they have they look like they have more energy after 90 minutes than I look like after 10 hours of sleep. So, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's remarkable that they can uh, they have you know fuel in the tank to keep going at this rate and long may it continue. And then, as you said, Michael Morrison in behind. I've said before in this podcast. I think he's the best free yet free signing that we've made for a for a long a long time. Josh Laurent might be running that close now. I think on this season's performances, but yeah, Morrison has been absolutely fantastic. Panovic has... He said in the in the pre-match press conference, we talked about would Morrison's contract be extended. You know, he's coming to coming to the end of his deal and he is, I'm sure he won't mind me saying it, getting on in a, you know, past his peak years, shall we say? But as Panovic said, it's not about age, it's about the performance level. We want you know, Michael to stay at the club because a you know, age isn't a factor. The fact is that he is such a rock and so crucial to Reading's success in the heart of that defence. And one more thing on him—you you, you don't necessarily hear it over TV. I'm not I'm not sure whether you do, but at the grounds, you really hear Michael Morrison, especially. I mean, he is so vocal, and it's um, you know so commanding at the back, and he's also got a terrible mouth in terms of the amount he swears.
0: It's <laughs> Michael. Oh, it's
1: awful, <laughs> awful. It's not very PG some of the language, but no, he's been a, a, a real just everything that's gone right for Reading in the last kind of year and a half two years you know there was there were signs last year that something was coming around the christmas period you know the fulham away it faded away but players like morrison have really encapsulated what is good going back to the roots a little bit you know getting the blending the the sort of uh not the cheap signings you know but blending the intelligent signings with a few big name stars and the academy when reading get all those three things together that is when they shine and that's what they're doing at the moment certainly
0: yeah totally i agree on that we've made some actually really decent signings in the last Mm. 18 months or so which is quite unusual for us isn't it before that we were making very erratic signings but i've got to say the most exciting thing about us at the moment is that teams know how we play there's no surprise to us now but we still keep on creating chance after chance after game and that Mm. is a huge factor that just shows that actually ability-wise they just can't deal with the multiple threats that we have across the pitch and I just think that automatic should be our aim now. It's going to be really tough, but I think we should go for it, Matt. What's your thoughts on that?
1: I I certainly would would agree that that should be the aim. I think, as you said, yeah, teams are starting to work out us. But, you know, conversely, we're starting to work out other teams. Everyone's seen each other now. Everyone knows how each other plays. Having John Swift in the midfield, I think, has added an extra dimension. His, you know, the ball um, for Zhao's goal. I think that was Swift. Um, but, you know, some of, the, some of the things that he's been doing um, and since his since he re- returned to the side have been really impressive and he's definitely taken or picked up where he left off at the start of the season. Automatics, uh, I think Norwich are certainly going to be in one of those two spaces. Mm. Um, I, I would say that at the moment, even without my blue and white glasses on, I would say that you would probably be arguing that it's going to be either Brentford or Reading on current form. Um, so that's going to be a very, very interesting game. was at next Wednesday at yeah. the Medeski Stadium. I think that could be a, a real signifier of the progress reading have made and how close they could be to the to the automatics. I think if you asked me this question next week and we picked up the three points against Brentford, I might be uh, more confident in my answer, but I definitely think we'll be there or thereabouts.
0: Yeah, totally. What we have seen during the last week was the quietest transfer day ever. Which, in some ways, is a beautiful sign of where we are. I know it's also down to the dreaded COVID world mm-hmm. as well. But there was one player that we were linked with, and Panovic has spoken about it with Diego Rossi. Do you think there was any chance that was realistic at any point, and why do you think maybe it fell down?
1: Well, Panovic said that you know that he was a player that the club were looking to get in on on loan. He said that he was on the you know making phone calls until about an hour or two before the deadline, trying to get. That deal and perhaps others over the line he did say that you know there's there's a certain element of clubs not wanting to take as many risks obviously both financially and in terms of bringing in players from far away given the the covid situation you know there's a lot of aspects behind the scenes that have made certain deals a lot more difficult to get over the line not just for financial reasons but I think there was genuine interest there um but Panovic said that he wasn't concerned that, you know, that Reading hadn't made any acquisitions in the January window. He said that, you know, you kept the team together. You've kept that the team spirit, which I think has been very, very important, especially in recent weeks. Um, and all eyes now are on the contract situation because sort of a week a week prior to the deadline closing, Panovic said that, you know, once the, the window's closed, that's when we're going to start, hopefully, you know, having a bit more, uh, bit more of an idea of, you know, what the situation is with certain players. So, yeah, it's you always hope for a, a big name or two. But I think the fact that, you know, I mean, just, just hypothetically speaking, what if a Premier League club had tabled an offer for Lucas Giao? Mm-hmm. You know, if that had happened and Giao had his head had been turned and, you know, obviously this is all hypothetical, but then you wouldn't be thinking, oh, you know, I'm gutted we didn't bring in one or two players. You'd be thinking, oh, my word, we've lost our, bi- our biggest threat. So, yeah. It depends how you look at it, I suppose. If you if you look at it purely on, OK, we may need one or two more reinforcements, but we haven't lost any. So I think there's a, an element of both.
0: Yeah, it does sound like we're going to be losing one of them at the end of the season, though for sure, and that's Omar Richards. It's sounding like he's very close to kind of finalising some kind of contract with a club, obviously Bayern Munich, is being repeatedly linked with him. It'd be a big loss when he leaves.
1: Yeah, if and when he does go in the summer, I would obviously wish him nothing but success. I think you look at certain players at, at certain clubs and you think, yeah, they're, they're going to outgrow that club. Um, I remember thinking that when uh, not Reading related, but James Madison was at Norwich City when they were when they went up and he obviously went to Leicester and you looked at me thought, yeah, he's just too good for this for this club at, at this point in time. And you do start to get that impression with Richards, um, the club and Pavlovic still you know remain hopeful that he'll sign a new deal that they're, they're working on. Getting something that he, you know, he would accept in front of him. I, I think of all the players, he he does look like the most likely that you know to leave. But at this point, nothing's decided. Nothing's nothing has been finalised, and there's no concrete uh, proof hit sort of this way or that way. So it'd be a waiting game. And I think over the next month or so, we we definitely might get clarity on perhaps not Richards, perhaps a couple of the other players, i.e. McIntyre and Elise and southwood and players like that but it, it would be a loss if we lost richard certainly it would be tough to replace but it wouldn't be a surprise
0: no it wouldn't be so let's move on to stoke city which is coming up tomorrow they've been two of the dullest games ever away at stoke in the last couple of seasons two nil nils um i saw uh, something on twitter earlier about one of the exciting moments is when the corner flag was so windy they couldn't take a corner i, think. <laughs> I mean that is kind of how it goes, was not it, with those games away? It's been horrible. We obviously lost them 3-0 at home earlier in the season. I'm confident we're going to win there tomorrow, but it's not going to be easy, is it?
1: It's not going to be easy, no, but you look at their recent form, they, they've they been on a shocking run of form. I don't think they've won in the league uh, since, I think it was mid-November time. So <laughs> there's a, if there's ever a good time to play any club, it's obviously when they're on a, a run of difficult form. It's, we've seen what Stoke can do. I didn't actually think Reading played badly against Stoke earlier in the season. It was just undone by a couple of mistakes. I think Estevez was guilty of a bit of a hospital pass uh, in his own area. I think Gibson made yeah, a bit of an I error for the third. Yeah, yeah so th- there was those sort of individual moments, perhaps of a little bit of immaturity, a, a, lo- a loss of focus, a loss of concentration. I think that's really what's been worked on by by Paunovic and, and his staff. And we've seen... I, I don't think there's a mistake coming in this side. Whereas at the start of the season, you thought after that winning run had ended, and you know we entered that run of Preston and Stoke and, and games like that, you thought something could happen here. It could be a clangor from from the keeper. It could be, but at the moment, you think no, you're really confident that you're going to be solid defensively. Um, Stoke aren't. I don't think you know that the, perhaps the most defensively strong side in the division. I think they've conceded you know about 30 odd goals this year so they're not going to be a pushover by any means but if ever you're going to fancy running to pick up an away win given the respective forms of the two sides you're probably going to back it this week
0: yeah I hope so because it'd be a massive win if we could get one there because then it just a gap between us and seventh place I know I'm thinking going higher, but you just need that buffer there and then it leaves we're going to have a a mini poor run at some point. I think it's almost mm. inevitable. I think every team's gonna have them. So, what is your prediction gonna be then for the Stoke City match, then, Matt?
1: I think last week when I was on with uh, Alex in your absence, I went for 2-1 and it finished 3-1. So I think if I go 1-0, it might finish 2-0, if that makes sense. <laughs> if I predict that, we might we might okay. go one above. So now I think I think Reading will win 2-0. I don't think it'd be a, a particularly you know, the goals would be flowing in, but I think it'd be maybe one or 2 now.
0: Let's hope so. I'm going to go for 3-1. I think that we're flying at the moment and I think we're going to keep on scoring goals. It just worries me when we play a team in such poor form. You know how, as a football fan's head, you think oh, it's going to happen at some point, isn't it? But it, that- to be fair,
1: it, it normally happens when I put a bet on that team to lose. <laughs> so if I, as long as I steer clear of putting any bets on Reading, which I will do, because that's obviously I will be betting on my own team but uh yeah no (laughs) you you would back it you would
0: back it totally uh thanks a lot for joining us matt and uh, matt we'll be back next week doing the preview with you again cheers right then now it's time for the view from the opposition with ben from the yy fuzz how are you doing uh ben hi
2: mate yeah i'm good thank you um weird period for spoke right now we're not doing particularly well in four miles but then we're still I think something like four points off playoffs last time we checked so weird weird atmosphere at the club at the moment
0: yeah because you sit 10th but your form has really kind of I don't want to bring you down here but slightly <laughs> collapsed since the injury of Tyrese Campbell obviously if you lose a key striker we know that with Lucas Jack makes a huge difference but is it as simplistic as him being injured, or is there other factors? There there, there are other
2: factors as well. Um, Stephen Fletcher's been out. Um, he's been our only other goal-scoring threat. So having to play someone like Jacob Brown up front, he's he's a young lad and will be good. Um, but he's certainly not an out-and-out striker, and that's what we've been relying on him. Um, Nick Powell has been playing up front at times. Again, he's a striker, been doing a decent job, scoring a, a couple of goals here and there. Um, he's been out as well, though. So it's either been him or Fletcher that's been at any one time. We've been re in the likes of Joe Allen, Sam Clucas, Johnny McCall after injury as well. Good players and definitely the best midfielders we have. But Allen's been out for the last nine months. So it's going to take him a lot of time just to get back to match fitness. Same with Clucas, same with McCall at his age. So they're the main reasons,
0: really. Yeah, well, I have to look back at that game that you played against us earlier in the season, the (laughs) 3-0 defeat for us at the Medeski Stadium. That was definitely not an enjoyable day for Reading fans, but is that probably, or I don't know, possibly your best result of the season so far? It's certainly the the quintessential Michael O'Neill
2: performance, I think. We sat back and defended very well throughout the entire game and we nicked a few, you know, maybe with a little bit of quasi here and there, but, you know, we... (laughs) We pounced on your defence, and I don't think that that's a mistake that you'll let us have again in this fixture this time <laughs> round. Um, maybe I'm wrong, hopefully, but but even then, I, I don't know if we'll have the firepower this time round. You know, Tyree scored that game. Um, Jacob Brown came on, off the bench to score in the last couple of minutes. Um, I, I don't know whether we'll have that privilege this time round, but then we'll see, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look back at that game and Estevez making a shocking mistake there, <laughs> heading it right into the centre of the goal. I think that was Tyrese Campbell who scored that goal, wasn't it? Um,
2: yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And just daft, right? <laughs> the player crashed and rises to the post at the end as well. That looked, <laughs> that looked pretty, pretty, pretty painful.
0: Yeah, that kind of summed up the day there. That was uh, Gibson. First of all, a yeah. terrible back pass, which was atrocious. And then just running into the post and just kind of like comedy capers that day. Because you could have had a goal early on from Semedo header, but mm. just missed the target. And it was one of those games when I think it was one of those performances which we've improved from. I don't think mm. we're so shaky at the back now by a long distance. But you never know because Raphael... Putting a poor kick in during that that match, and it's always possible. So I want to give you a little bit of hope, Ben, but hopefully not too much. <laughs> you know, well, is is I it.
2: think you've built on where you were at the start of the season. I think everybody said that the rate that you were scoring goals at compared to your shots was just unsustainable, and that and that was true. It, it turned out to be that way, but it, it seems like confidence and maybe just just a bit better form how you're playing as well means you've been able to stay where you are in and around the playoffs and I think that's good really that I think you alluded to it before saying that that's not where you expected to be at the start of the season no you're not in the automatics anymore and I think that's fair enough but I think you've done well to um keep something going and and, and stay where you are these are places that we at Stoke want to finish in so so for you to do
0: that I, I you know I fully commend you with that really yeah, let's hope it lasts. Let's that's, that's what I hope. So yeah. who would you say were have been a standout players at stoke City this season?
2: Oh, it's a tough one because a lot of them have been injured in and out. Tyres Campbell was probably yeah. the ty- the the standout player till his injury. Um Adam Davis was playing ever so well in goal till he got injured. Um he was replaced by Angus Gunn, he got injured. Joe Bursik then came in back home from Doncaster, I think, and he was spectacular. Um had a couple of Shaky games, and he was been replaced by Gunn, who's come back from injury. So, we've we've not really got anybody in form. Even Norrington Davis, who came in, um, I'm from Sheffield United. He's he's banned for this game. So. <sighs> We've not got anybody in form, which is, I think, really good news for you guys, because that's what we've thrived off this season, like a bit of form. It's not really been a cohesive effort as a team. It's been individual quality, certainly up front. At the back, maybe a different story. We've been quite organised. But uh, at the moment, I couldn't really pick out probably Nick Powell, if he managed. I I think he missed out the last game through injury. Um, he's, He's probably been our best player this season who's been consistently playing for me
0: yeah and you also scored against us, kind of last season in the first mm. game back i think maybe after lockdown the last mm. minute equalizer for stoke city which yeah, kind I'm of bad. uh yeah and more fun <laughs> <than me>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it kind of like looking at stoke city you look you're saying you're not in form and i know redden fans will be listening to this and thinking that's just sending fear through our body because you know how it works with football results yeah. can come from nowhere. We see it in the championship week in week out and you've got no wins in six. You've got in your last 11 games, only 10 points, but there must be a route somehow Stoke City can get a win here. They're not so poor. They're not up to the bottom of the league. They're not like a Wiccan. They've still got some quality in the team.
2: This is it. And I, it's, it's just been a case of for me, as simple as not having um, Tyrese Campbell, up front that's 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 a big blow but the second half of that is not having Stephen Fletcher and Nick Powell up front together that's not something we've seen for quite a while um and I, I think today will be the first or sorry uh match day against you guys will be the first time we'll see that in quite a while both should be fit for this game along with Jack Clark maybe Matondo on the wing, um mm-hmm. James James, James McLean as well we, we we might actually field a decent, not half-assed attack for once. <laughs> like we've been sort of scratching just to find a striker, let alone a striker in form. So I'm 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 hoping we can come at you with a bit of an armory rather than the the makeshift. Because every time that that we've tried to be on the front foot in a game, and I'm and I'm assuming that's the way we'll go with you guys. We've always suffered at the back because we've just tried to compensate. Before, we were able to have the attack breaking away with pace and the defence just sitting back. We've not been able to do that since since Campbell's injuries. So this is why I'm saying this, this, this probably will be a different stoke that you're going to come up against
0: this time. And it's good news for you guys. Yeah. Well, let's hope to see how it goes. I mean, I'm sure all the fans are still on side with Michael O'Neill at the moment, though you've had a bit of a wobble. The obvious uh, reasons are there. I mean, why is the feeling for the Stoke fans towards your manager at the moment? Um, I think, on the whole, I think
2: by many he's he's still a, an excellent manager and and has done ever so well with it. There are a couple of people now beginning to question a couple of things that he's doing it like we needed a striker then though that's not his fault but some of the substitutions some of the team selections persisting with some of the players who maybe aren't match fit all the time not playing certain players like some players got alone Lee Gregory for example was one of our only strikers fit and he's gone so I uh, it's it, it's it's difficult he's like any manager, they're going to start showing their flaws after a year or so, um, no matter how good or bad you are. Um, But to be honest, his flaws have been uh, way, way less concerning than some of the other managers we've had previous. And there's certainly no sign of us getting rid of him anytime soon.
0: No, I couldn't imagine. I mean, he's still running at a win percentage of 40. So, I mean, Mm. that's not a bad stat. I mean, I don't think that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not terrible, especially without a striker for so long.
2: I mean, that's it. That's, that's it. Good. I yeah. think of Nathan Jones's win record. I think it was like sixteen percent. Just, yeah. just
0: wasn't good enough, right? <laughs> not good enough for anyone. That is it. No, no. <laughs> I'm going to keep you in a job. I don't care where you are. <laughs> but um, if we're just looking at Stoke for the rest of the season, what do you think would be a realistic target for you going forward? Now, a realistic target.
2: Mm. I, I mean, we're not far off playoffs. Um, I think th- to show progress. We need to finish in the top half. Um, I think we have finished sixteenth, fifteenth in our seasons in the championship since relegation, um, which which weren't good enough with the squad we had. Um, having said that, you know, twelfth upwards would be an improvement. Um, I think a playoff push it will, will be something desirable. I'm not saying we should expect to finish in the playoffs. I I, I think we've been massively hampered. Um, in some ways and and we're massively out of four it's, it's around. Um but we'll we'll see. I I want top half. I think anything less than top half would be a very disappointing season considering the start we had two. Um the player push be night
0: Yeah, well if you get a win against us on Saturday, everything can change because that'd put you yeah. right back in the chase, wouldn't it? So how do you think it's gonna go on Saturday? What's your score prediction? Oh,
2: I mean, we've had so many draws lately. Yes, <laughs> so you, love
0: draw. you love them, don't you? <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm not, and I'm gonna predict another one. I'm gonna go with a one-one draw.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Um, I'm gonna I'm go. I don't know for... where a is gonna come from, but
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna go for a win for Reading. I'm gonna go for three one to Reading because we're just rolling at the moment. Yeah. I think we're playing quite well. Send momentum and all our key players are coming back into form. So thanks a lot for joining us, Ben. I really appreciate that. We'll be back with a post-match podcast on Saturday. Cheers. Thanks for listening.